0: Thinking as we do on a day like today, trying to find a focus for 2017, I wonder if this morning we could think a bit differently, that instead of specific resolutions to do something or to stop doing something as good as those may be, what if we thought about a single focus for this year on becoming a certain kind of integrated person, a kind of person? This, of course, gets at notions of identity. And if you look at your passage there in Ephesians, there are a couple of identifiers. First of all, dearly loved children. And secondly, you are light. You know, not something you attain to be. But you are light. And identity, in this sense, is what's meant to give us an orientation for our years on this earth and to give direction to life. A life that I want to say is of participation, right? Dearly loved children. That's a life of participation. You are light, a life of interaction. So, dearly loved children makes me think of our journey inward, our participation, our interaction with what God is doing in our hearts. Hearing you are light reminds me of our journey outward our participation, our interaction with what God's doing in the broken world. And so I want to lay before you this morning the idea of participation and interaction as what it means to follow God's example. I mean, think about it. I'm sure you just read that and you've read it a hundred times. But if you stop to think about it for a minute, that's a crazy and impossible ideal. What could it possibly mean for a normal human being To follow God's example. I mean, that's the kind of thing we just write off as religious rhetoric. I mean, it just, I mean, we read it, it sounds kind of cool, but what in the world could something like that mean? Well, I want to suggest something like this, that of course doesn't have anything to do with his omniscience, doesn't have anything to do with Jesus', you know, complete one-off sacrifice on the cross. But what if this could be an orienting thought for us for the year ahead? What if following God's example means simply to walk in the way of love? What if this is the thing that most distinguishes God and the way he's revealed himself to us? And of course, not love as an emotion, but love as an overall disposition or character of the person. Love being devoted to another's good and well-being, whatever is or is not going on. And this, I want to say, is a decision to receive the abundance of the kingdom of the heavens as the basis for our lives. And it's in seeking first the kingdom of God that we find the riches inwardly to be able to be a person of love. Or to live as children of the light, bearing the fruit of light. Another interesting comment. Light has fruit? What is a fruit of Light. Well, Paul says it's goodness, it's kindness. And this is one of the most basic and powerful sort of DNA imitations of God that we can possibly do. I know kindness sounds weak, and you don't find a lot of it in sports or movies or certainly not in politics. We don't tend to associate strength with a concept like kindness or goodness, but it actually is a fruit of the light. Paul says, secondly, righteousness is a fruit of the light. That is to say, the truly good person living in alignment with God, that is the fruit of the life. And then finally, he says, truth is the fruit of the light. And I said a week or so ago, I think, but it, it bears repeating that this notion of post-truth, and I get why people are talking about it, and I get what they're trying to say even. But thank God, and I mean that, thank God, post-truth can actually never exist. I mean, I understand why it's being said. I understand the social psychological dynamics that it's referring to, but you either had enough gas in your gas tank to get here this morning, or you didn't. And I think one of the greatest things that we can offer to the kind of brokenness that exists in humanity and our world today is a recovery of the beauty and goodness associated with truth. It is a beautiful thing. It allows humankind to function. Do I again I we don't have time to wax historical or philosophical here, but I understand. You know how truth has evolved the way it has to come down to us today, but you must reject the notion with everything you have that truth is mostly a power play. It is not. It is mostly a facilitator of the good of God. The only thing that can carry him to us is something that corresponds to reality. That's all truth is. So if I say this is my hand, that is truth. It is not my foot. And it's those simple sorts of things that carry the goodness of God to us and allow us to carry God's goodness in and through us to others. So for you, if you worry about this or for those you know who might worry about this, I wanna suggest this. The contrary to what's being said, when we lose truth, there is nothing left but various social conformities, various social contracts, and political powers and dictators. If we lose truth, if we abandon truth as the fruit of the light, I know people think that's kind of a wonderful, wonderful thing. But when it's lost, there is nothing less left than certain conformities. And so you ask anybody who grew up under a brutal regime, you ask anybody who grew up in a brutal family where everything was twisted and everything was turned to allow the abuse to happen, you talk to anybody like that and they will tell you the truth is the best thing any human person can find. It's what facilitates the life of participation and interaction with God. There's a loveliness to it, a beauty in it, a utility in it. Otherwise, look at me please. Otherwise, what can this sentence mean? Find out what pleases the Lord. If there is no truth, what can that sentence mean? But if there is, there is the, if there is truth, there is also then the potential for human flourishing. Where we can then begin to find out what pleases the Lord. Look at your text. We can then be careful about how we live. We can live a life of non-anxious discernment. We can learn to make the most of every opportunity, being present to our actual life with God. So the kind of life envisioned in this passage and in the teachings of Jesus Paul says, can only be realized by being filled with the Spirit. That's what the last part of this passage wants us to know. This is not fundamentally a human attainment. It's a reception of the Spirit. And so there's this command here from Paul to go on being filled with the Spirit. What Paul seems to envision here is a continuous replenishment of the Spirit. And so as you begin now to think about 2017 coming ahead, and how you might live in it and find your way in it. Paul would want you to think of asking for a continuous replenishment of the spirit. This is kind of a humble posture of daily asking. So think of the quality of Jesus's life as he lived it. Think of the participation and interaction he had with his father. Remember routinely saying, I only do what I see him doing, I only say what I hear him saying. And then he says, even as the Father sent me, with that kind of participatory interaction, so I send you, and what will facilitate this is being immersed in the Spirit. So just before we stand to sing and come to Eucharist, you might pause this morning thinking of all that Beth invited us in. In the processing of the year that's passed, in the committing ourselves to Christ in the year to come. And pause, and in your own humble posture of your heart, find a way to ask for the Spirit to come to you, for the Spirit to empower and animate and enliven and give gifts and give fruit that you will need as you live the journey inward this coming year, the transformation of your soul into Christ likeness, and the journey outward, doing so for the sake of others.